Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. On today's episode of Team Anywhere, we interviewed Denise Jacobs, author of Banish Your Inner Critic, Silence the Voice of Self-Doubt to Unleash Your Creativity and Do Your Best Work. Denise suggests that one of the greatest ways to strengthen a hybrid or virtual team is to lower the fear of failure and encourage people to bring out their creativity. Everyone has their unique creative gifts, and by supporting your team to unleash theirs, you create connectivity, closeness, and a culture of play. Denise's most powerful strategy to unleash creativity is to promote failure. In today's changing environment, perhaps building up a tolerance to try, fail, and try again is the best way for a team to achieve great results from anywhere. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. And I'm Ginny Bianco Mathis on the East Coast. And I am here with my partner, Mitch Simon, on the West Coast. And today we are thrilled uh, to have, <laughs> I see her, she's she's all excited. She's jumping up and down. Uh, I, I, I think so. I, uh, to have Denise with us today, who is going to be talking about creativity. And we'll be talking about her books and different ways to get in touch with her. And welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Welcome, Denise. Yay. And, and uh, Denise, I, I because I just feel so familiar with you, I left off your last name. Not, but everyone else out there doesn't know you. Denise ah, Jacobs. Ah, ah, ah. Denise Jacobs. Denise has, okay. has a last name. That's great. Terrific. Well, Denise, um, something we all can agree on is that 2020 is gone. And we're looking to 2021 with a lot of different feelings. Uh, Share with us what your journey was like and what you learned. Oh, wow. So um, I'm actually laughing because the first first month of January didn't actually feel different from 2020. (laughs) So when you're like, it's officially gone, I was like, ha, that's really funny because it really didn't feel like it. things seem to feel more settled now, but maybe that's just an illusion. We'll see. Um, What was my journey and what have I learned? Um, You know, 2020 um, was a really hard year for me personally, because I just, I had um, um, like a very like emotional, um, an emotional time and um, the end of an important, really important relationship to me ended. And um, I spent a lot of the year grieving that. And, um, and then, you know, that on top with all the other things just made it made it a real challenge of a year. But um, I think one of the things that I've learned, um, that certainly is uh, starting to feel poignant right now is that um, time does heal things time does heal wounds and um and that um 
We need to be kind of available to and and open to and paying attention to the opportunities that are in front of us. So mm-hmm. one of the things as a person who's a professional speaker and trainer and consultant is that I spent a lot of time traveling for work and I literally haven't been in an airport or on an airplane since April. You have your new book, Banish Your Inner Critic. Mm-hmm. Silence the voice of self-doubt to unleash creativity and do your best work. That's it. So talk to us about that. What are the key takeaways? What what why did you want to write it and what do you want people to take away from that book? Well, I wrote the book because I had struggled so much with um with seeing myself as a creative person and um really that that voice of self-doubt that pops up whenever you're trying to do your best work, whenever you're trying to show up powerfully um, and, and make a contribution to the world. Right. And, and I feel like, you know, this is true if you're a creative, I mean, the book is kind of, you know, geared in some way towards creatives, but it's really, I actually really feel like it is um, kind of a quintessential professional development book just in general mm-hmm. because every single person that I've talked to is can com- relate They're like whether they consider themselves creative or not and I would also argue that everybody is creative in a, a certain way whether you're a leader or whether you're a designer or whether you're a developer or an accountant or whatever um you know, everybody um, exercises creativity um, in the form of creative problem solving. And so, you know, it's just a matter of kind of how you're creative, not if you're creative. Yes. Um, but I personally struggled with the question of, am, am I creative, right, for a really long time? And it wasted a lot of time and energy that I could have spent doing, you know, actually just doing the work. And that was one of the reasons why I wrote this book is to help people kind of remove those mental blocks so that they could get to doing the really good work that they're capable of. Oh, fantastic. And I know um, you have done some speaking, which I found fascinating because I didn't know about it, (laughs) around the research part. Mm-hmm. Um, the jazz singers and the hip hop. Can you talk a little bit about? That? Yeah. So one of the things that I was, one of the things that's very cool about writing a book is, um, you know, you have a premise or you have something that, that, you know, for me, the things that I, I spoke about and spoke, you know, do keynotes on and run workshops on and everything. But um, it's great to, you know, I am a person where, I don't like just telling people what to do or suggesting, giving people suggestions. I like to give them the reasons why the suggestions are effective Um, because it's, it's a very real thing for, for women to be questioned about their authority. And it is a very real thing for women of color and black women to be especially questioned about their authority. And so I literally didn't want anybody coming at me talking about, well, you know, you're just saying that. I'm like, no, actually, this is very heavily researched. Thank you very mm-hmm. much for asking. Let's move on to the next thing. So, <laughs> um, so, and I also personally just, 
from my own personal standpoint, I like knowing why things work, right? Like I, I like knowing the mechanisms of why something is effective. I, you know, it's one thing for somebody to say, take this medicine. And it's another thing to say, take this medicine because it does blah, 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 blah. Right. Right. So, um, so anyway, so it, uh, one of the pieces of, of research and one of the, the findings that I found was a TED talk by Charles Lim. And uh, he is a neuroscience uh, uh, um, researcher, and he did a, a, an experiment where he took um, jazz improvisational uh, uh, musicians. Um, he also took hip hop artists, but people who did like improvisational music, improvisational jazz and hip hop. Mm-hmm. He hooked them up and put them into an MRI machine and he actually (laughs) scanned their brains while they were doing their improvisational music. And one of the things that he found was there is a part of the brain, part of the prefrontal cortex in the brain. And this is the part of the brain that's in charge of behavior modification, um, self-judgment, basically kind of the, quote, higher... Uh, and I won't say quote, but the the kind of higher capacities that allow people to function in societies, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's all about you know making a judgment call on whether something's wrong or right, and then changing your behavior because of it. Well, it turns out that when people do improvisational jazz, art, you know, everything, people are in the zone. That part of the brain is quiet. That part mm-hmm. of the brain isn't functioning as much and it is very like it's very low level and other parts of the brain the quote creative parts of the brain are the ones that are really active and firing and i realized you know during these experiments i was like this is the this is the inner critic i mean self modification and and judgment yeah all over the place right right and so i got really excited by this because i was like look you can actually pinpoint the inner critic in a part of your brain and you know and there's scientific research that shows that when that part of your brain isn't active that's when your ideas come out that's when you can riff that's when you can take something that somebody else has got and that you know when you're not afraid of what people think if you're not afraid of making a mistake when you're not uh, you know thinking that you don't know what you're talking about and like what are people gonna you know so I I personally, I find all of that fascinating, but I find it also really powerful because that means that we can, we can use that knowledge and we can leverage that mechanism for our own, for our own uses. That's great. I've got a question. I love, I love this. And I'm definitely going to check out that Ted talk. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out Denise, how you play a saxophone in an MRI machine, but I guess I'll get this in the Ted Ted talk, right? (laughs) He actually had them work with keyboards. And okay. so, uh, so he actually literally had like a keyboard that he like had wired up so that they could play it while they were playing down. Oh. Yeah. Well, and, uh, so yeah. I'm interested. I, you know, so I do improv, um, mm-hmm. not music, um, with my voice cause, um, my musical talents are not that great. Um, we, a lot of us now are, um, at home working from home. We will be working from home for a very long time, if not forever. Um, how would I, um, working from home where, gosh, I'm alone, or gosh, my kids are yelling in my ear, 
Um, or gosh, just, you know, like if I'm working with you, Denise, and you're, I think you're on the East coast, I'm on the West coast and I don't know what you're thinking. And I'm not sure if I say something's gonna be okay. How, how do I overcome that, that, that thinking to actually put myself forward? Cause, cause it's, you know, maybe I know you, we've been friends, but now you're so far away and I've kind of lost touch and it just feels very scary for me to put myself out there. Mm-hmm. Um, not knowing what's going to happen, especially online. Right. But so, so one of the things, I mean, especially because you're an improv person, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. That's kind of the beauty of, of, of improv and doing improv training is that you realize everything is improv. Every life is improv, right? Like, I I don't know what you guys are going to say next. I have an idea, but I literally don't know what the next thing is going to come out of your mouth. Um, And so, in the same kind of vein to just like look at everything. And I think too, that's one of the the attitudes that we've had to adopt and and adapt to during this period of time is this, this kind of uh, attitude of practice and this attitude of we'll see and this attitude Mm -hmm. of, I don't know all the answers and this attitude of, I don't know what's coming right? Yes. Like we've yes. really had to embrace living with uncertainty and becoming more comfortable with uncertainty. Also, I would like to point out that we have always had to live with uncertainty. And we have the fact that we thought that things were certain is and always has been and always will be an illusion. <laughs> but, yes. but I think people are more, uh, you know, more in touch with how uncertain things can be and how we need to, you know, basically build up our muscles to deal with uncertainty, to have more adaptability and to have more flexibility. And also to have less self-judgment and less uh, self-criticism, right? Because that's, that's one of the things you were saying, Mitch, is like, what can, how do I know uh, you know, what if I say something wrong? What if you do say something wrong the same way that you would any other time, you know, work with it. And then you can always ask questions and that you can always yes. And, uh, right. Like that's the, that's yes. the beauty of, yes. of, of improv. Yes. And I'd also like to ask you, huh. how does a, how does a leader or a company influence their their teams to be able to have that attitude of like well i don't know we'll see anything's you know anything could change um so so um it's really cool because i just finished um writing and filming my latest course for linkedin learning which is um developing your creativity as a leader and that will be Great. coming out in oh, a couple of months i think um probably in late in april Maybe that's great. Um, it's exciting. It's it's. Uh, I'm really happy with the course. And one of the things that um, that I talk about a lot in this course is first as a leader, um, modeling behavior to basically give your the permission to the rest of your team and the the folks underneath you to um, to engage in that behavior as well. And so essentially beginning to, you know, laying the foundations for creating the culture of something. Um, and so, you know, as a leader, I think it is that, that 
giving yourself permission and knowing that there's power and strength in saying, we don't actually have all the answers. We don't really know. We're figuring this out as we go along. Um, very um, open to input um, or in ideas because, you know, this is, this is something that we're all working for and working to together mm-hmm. now. And, and so then we open up, you role model it. Right. So, so what are some of the actual techniques? Do you actually put it on the table? Listen, let's all create a space for creativity. Yeah, actually, there's there's that. Um, there's, um, you know, basically, like, really being aware. So one thing is being aware of your mindset. And, you know, seeing if you have a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset, and then working to um, kind of to start developing a, a growth mindset. Um, another one is, um, and this is one of the things like there's actually some really kind of cool and fun ways, I think, to start to first develop your own creativity, and then to um to then, you know, model that so that, and then create the structure for this for other people in the organization. Um, one of them, it, in addition to the mindset, but another one is to, um, to start um, developing your curiosity. So to kind of start sparking curiosity and to like, really like look at things, I call it um, releasing the tyranny of the expert. Mm. So. Um, you know, a lot of times when you feel like you su- you're supposed to be an expert, then you don't allow, first of all, you're faking it. You're feigning being an expert. You're doing what you think an expert should do rather than actually being the expert. And then two, a lot of times you block yourself from input that can be very valuable input, right? Right. And so when you get to a place where you start being like, you know, let me look at this and, and see what it is that I can't, that I, I, I know I've, I've, I studied this or I know I've seen this, you know, I, I feel like I've seen this a hundred times before, but what is it in here that I haven't seen before? Right. And then also again, to encourage the folks in your teams to do that. Like, Hey, let's, let's try to find what we don't see like, that we don't know or we don't see. One of the um, um, examples that I like to give for that is to actually have people, you know, the, the phrase, I know it like the backside of my hand. Yes. When's the last time you actually looked at the backside of your hand? <laughs> I don't need to. I know it like the backside of my hand. Hey. <laughs> um, so like, I'm actually like, actually will tell people like, look at the backside of your hand. And most likely it's been a while. And there's all kinds of things where you're like, oh yeah, like I have this, um, I have this, uh, like dark, um, black spot on the back of my hand. I think because, um, a pencil got poked into my hand when I was a kid and the graphite's still embedded into the skin. <laughs> um, I have another one actually like that on another part of my finger. And it's like, and it's like every time I look at my hand, I'm like, oh yeah, that's there. Oh, look at this. Oh, look at that scar. I- totally forgot about that. Oh, oh, oh. And so it's like rediscovering the familiar. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, And then um, another thing too, from that is that 
Um, and, you know, you hear people talk about failure, failing forward, failing fast and often, blah, 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 blah. But one of the things that I feel like you don't hear very often when people talk about failure is the fact that failure is how we learn. That failure, it's only through failure. I mean, you, you can learn things by doing stuff well, but it doesn't register the same way as failure does. And failure forces you to be creative. Failure forces creative problem solving. When you're like, why didn't this work? And then you have to go and you have to look at all the things and then you start to explore other options that you would so explore yes. if you hadn't failed. So I also um, encourage people to reframe failure, not because of all this trendy, you know, buzzword kind of laden uh, approaches that deal with failure, but be- because failure helps you learn. Because you learn from failure and because when you fail, you end up being able to do something better later. What are what are some practices that you would have? I know that in improv, one of our practices, which actually is really difficult, mm. is to is to throw a beanbag to another person and that person has to not catch it. Mm. It's, it's the funniest because it's like, I, I, how could I not catch it? It takes a while, actually, to get the people around the table to actually not catch it and to make a mistake. Mm. Um, what are some practices that you you have that would encourage people to um, reframe failure, take on failure, and, and learn from it? Um, actually, I think um, some of them is actually to fail on purpose, to mm. actually deliberately try to do something wrong or poorly. Um, I actually wow. teach that as a, as a creativity exercise to like, to, I mean, if you were just talking about something like, you know, kind of a creativity exercise to actually like make something as bad as you possibly can make it. You know, if you're like, if you were like, I actually love having doing this exercise in uh, my workshops and I'll say, I want you to write the worst poem that you can possibly write. I'm going to give you guys like three minutes. Right. Can you imagine? Horrible poem. I'm going to do this all wrong. I can't do it. I'm going to do it all wrong. (laughs) Right. Right. I'm going to do, I'm going to write it horribly wrong. You're going to write horribly good. (laughs) Right. And the things that people have come up with, I'm like, that's a fan. That's a great poem. Like, what is? I I actually can't see any problems with this, right? Right. And so there's there's that aspect of it, but then it's kind of like, okay, but so then what is wrong about this? What is bad about this? Okay, then in order to move forward, don't do that, right? <laughs> like, yeah. like to kind of have it have it set have it more, uh, like you know top of mind to know what to avoid or what you're or what it is that you're actually shooting for. Great exercise. Yeah. Uh, in fact, do you have another one? Could you share something? <laughs> but it doesn't have to be for well, that. But this, for this well. whole create well, this whole creativity of, of what do you encourage the leaders to be doing that they're not doing now? Well, I mean, a lot of this is this, um, you, you know, first of all, getting in touch with your own creativity. So this, you know, instead of so many people have this concept of, well, I'm not creative, I'm analytical. I'm not mm. creative, I'm this, I'm not creative, I'm a leader, I'm a, you know, I'm a CEO, or I'm a, an executive, like, I'm not, I'm not a creative person. It's like, well, actually, you are. So look at see how you are creative. And then, um, like I said, some of these kind of 
more um, kind of subtle and unusual ways to develop cre- creativity. So the create the curiosity, the failure, the seeking out surprise. I actually, have people um, keep a surprise journal, um, and that kind of go along goes along with that that curiosity. Like, what has surprised you today? You know, what oh, did you good. expect? And then what was a surprise? And then what not only surprised you about what kind of ended up happening today, what surprised you about yourself? Like, did you have a reaction or a response or anything that you were surprised about? Mm-hmm. Um, so actually to have people like seek surprise, to intend uh, surprise and seek it out instead of saying, I know, you know, because that's it. Everybody gets into this, uh, gets into a, a, a rut and they start to think, been there, done that, seen everything. You can't surprise me. And it's like, well, actually, if you're if you're paying attention, you're looking for it, you will be surprised. So seek oh, that okay. out because that sparks new ideas, right? Um, another one is to um, actually understand the mechanics of flow and what causes a flow state to happen, so that you can try to engineer it. Now, the one thing that I I like to warn people is that you can't make flow happen, mm-hmm. but you can lay the foundations and set the stage for flow. Um, and the, one of the things I think that is the most important is that if you, if you look back to times where you've had a flow state and you've been in the zone, what was happening, which you didn't realize at the time, cause you didn't care cause you were in the flow. You're like, I'm not going to think about like, why this is happening. I'm just in it. It's exciting. <laughs> Right. But, but that there's this wonderful um, nexus point of skill and challenge. So it's that your skill level matches the level of the challenge. And when you are walking that fine line and kind of in doing that dance, what you do is you get into something called a flow channel. And The way you stay in the flow channel is to just make sure that these two things are in balance with each other. As soon as your skill level exceeds the level of the challenge, you will get out of a flow, get out of flow. And as soon as your challenge exceeds your skill level, you will get out of flow. So I think that's also really cool. Um, The other thing is that, you know, the other thing probably were there that you didn't realize is that you had goals. You had an objective that you were trying to reach, that you were reach. You were able to focus. So you had, you know, concentrated time where you, you pretty much be- at least believed that you weren't going to get interrupted or you engineered it so that you weren't getting interrupted. And then that you've got this feedback loop happening. And that's really cool, too, like that you got to make sure that you got the feedback because back to the failure thing, when you have when you have something that doesn't quite work out. You can adjust in real time, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got that feedback and then you have a sense of control and then you've got the reward that comes from, from either actually creating the thing that you're creating or getting to a, you know, a point of completion or just the process in itself is rewarding. Almost getting, again, it's a practice thing of almost getting used to those surprises mm-hmm. and feeling strong. Go ahead. Throw more surprises at me. Right. I'm getting better right. and better at dealing with And them. being delighted with them, right? Like in a lot of ways, when you make those, it's that's that's discovery. 
right? That's like a, like a, like a scientific discovery. You've got this thing happening or, you know, whatever kind of discovery. And then you're like, Oh my God, I had no idea. Right. And then that, that keeps, that actually feeds the process. What would you recommend? What do you recommend in this new hybrid environment? So I'm a leader. I've got some people online, you know, all over the world, whatever. And we're trying to get things done. Uh And I want to spark creativity uh-huh. for the reasons that you just shared. Right. Uh-huh. Um, it's a, it, it gives you a space. There's no judgment, which is fabulous because now you have people from all over and you don't want judgment criminal. So what advice do you give? Well, um, so there's a couple, a couple of things. Um, one, some of the stuff that, that I, I recommend for people is, and especially, in this uh, kind of collective creativity place is to um, first of all, like to leverage the power of play. So, so many people, um, you know, take work so seriously, but they don't acknowledge that um, people actually do more and they do better when they have play elements. And that when people are, um, you know, when like work becomes play, it becomes more fun than fun, right? Like work that is play is more fun than fun. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and so I love, um, I love kind of the idea of working play or working kind of fun things into, or, you know, enjoyable things or things that kind of spark that into uh, like your meetings or into your, you know, sessions or whatever. Um, if you have like regular zoom sessions or, you know, maybe even people sometimes, I mean, I know I do this. I, I obviously I don't work in a team, but, um, I have a friend who has a regular writing zoom, uh, that happens every day at nine o'clock in the morning. And whenever I am working on something just to have somebody there, where we come in, we check in, what are you working on? I'm working on this. What are you working on? Working on that. Okay. Set the timer for 20 minutes. We do a sprint where they're kind of like almost like parallel play type of thing. Yes. Um, and then we check in, you know, we take a break, we check in and then we do uh, sprints again. Um, you know, you might end up setting up a, like a work sprint, uh, like a regular work sprint for people that they could just set up a zoom. And so even if you're not interacting with people that you just set this timer, but maybe before you start to do the work, like let's say it's a two hour sprint time or it's an hour and a half sprint time, maybe for the first 10 minutes, you can have people actually do something with their hands like Lego or coloring or something like that, that just is like, you know, putting something together or taking something apart that that kind of uh, puts your brain into a certain uh, space where then you are actually able to better problem solve and, and focus and concentrate afterwards. Or so, just put on some hip hop music and go at it. Potentially. But you know, some <laughs> people like, I personally, I don't like to work with music on. Um, I find it too distracting, especially mm-hmm. unless it's music with. So for me, unless it's music with no lyrics um, and, and it needs to be fairly unfamiliar. So, um, ah. so like I can work to, um, I can work to jazz. I can work to classical music. 
I can work to like, it's called uh, something called lo-fi hip hop, which is like, just kind of like nice, you know, bass lines and like beats, but usually no lyrics or words. Um, And it's just kind of like a groove on in the background. I can do that. But if I need to read or focus or concentrate, I can't have anything on at all. Yeah. And that's what folks need to find out about themselves as they play with their own creativity. Right. Some people work really well with a coffee house sounds in the back and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. There's actually something called, I think, caffeine. Um, It used (laughs) to be it used to be there. I'm not quite sure if it still exists. Um, yeah, no, I've, I've listened. Uh, I've listened sometimes to uh, the Coffee House soundtrack over and over and over again. It's it actually works. Yeah, interesting. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's like it's um, it's um, it was actually it was actually like a website that you can go to. Oh, coffee, 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 Yes, yeah. we'll put it in the notes. Coffeevity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. yes. Uh, That's great. What is, so what is, um, you know, cause we're getting to the end of the podcast. Um, I was just wondering like three, three tips that you could really help out either uh, leaders or um, members of a team on how to, you know, basically unleash your, your creativity, but, but really how do you appreciate that, that you actually are a creative person? And what would be the things to then start doing? So, okay, I, okay, I'm going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so um, Denise says I'm creative. What's the first things I need to do to really, um, you know, not be so afraid of this incredible power that I have within me? Well, so the first thing that I was saying, and I, you know, I said it earlier, is to figure out where you're creative. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that's a lot of times people think people say they're not creative because they don't know where it is that they're creative. And one of the the tips that I give people is to look at where they go into flow. So what 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 situations, what things, where is it that you you hit a flow state? Is it when you're writing something, you know, writing a report, because some people do, is it when you're working with numbers? Is it when you're talking with people? Is it when you're strategizing? Is it when you're designing? Is it like, what is it? Because there's that, there's that place where, you know, like, and even if you think, okay, I can't remember the last time I went to a flow state, then I'm like, okay, what are the tasks that you absolutely like to do? And what are the ones that you absolutely hate doing, right? That you're just like, how about if you take a stick and put me in the eye in it with it instead of me <laughs> having to like work out this budget or whatever. So, right. so, so when you get to that place and you start to have that awareness of what it is that you enjoy and what it is that you don't enjoy, and then probably what you enjoy are also the places where you can hit a flow state, then you can say, ah, this is where I'm creative. This is where I do my best creative problem solving, right? That's great, right. And then you can take that and you can start to capitalize upon it, right? You can try to expand more of that time during your day, and you can try to contract more of the other ones. And I always say to people, when you start to discover that, then what you do is you write a to don't list. You write a list of things not to do and that you on those on that list, it's something that you're either going to delete, delegate or alter. 
So it could be something where you're like, I actually don't need to do this. And this is ridiculous. I don't even know why I'm doing it. I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> or you delegate it. You can find somebody else who, who can do it. Either, you know, outsource it. Or maybe if you're working on a team, you can talk to them and you can be like, hey, you know, um, Cecilia, I know you're really good at this. And I'm not good at it. Like, is there, I mean, what, what do you don't like to do? And maybe you can find something where you can swap out and should be like a girl. I, if I have to do another, you know, like if I have to design another or come up with another, like, you know, outline for this, like outlines are my jam. Okay. Check it out. You take this, I'll take that, you know, whatever that you can do that, or you can alter it. And maybe there's a way that you've been doing it that you can do it differently. Maybe there's an app that will help. Maybe there's a process that you can learn or something that'll change, that'll transform that so that it becomes more, then it becomes easier for you. Great. Thanks. I love how, and I'm probably going to have to now read the book more closely. I love how you've taken this concept of creativity that we all just sort of see in the air, mm-hmm. right? And you say, no, sit down where where's your flow mm-hmm. well what do you mean well look at these things mm-hmm. right? that is a fabulous path to take someone down to pinpoint it and start being yeah i mean i think you know i think creativity kind of gets a bad rep in in the respect that people think it's this like ethereal you know you know like bubbles like chasing you know bubbles being blown good and it's good like, yes and it's like yes. no it's like it's actually there's there's all this great science around it there's all these great practices and 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 it's just about like raising your level of awareness kind of like i was saying before right and if nothing else that's what last this past year has done Listen. because we've had to nest and reflect this whole raising this level of awareness mm-hmm. which is necessary for these kinds of things to come through and i love your piece on the research um, I saw you talk about that and it, that there's this actual space and it will quiet down. You can silence all those shoulds and all those mm-hmm. criticisms. Mm-hmm. It's fabulous. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Mitch. I think, I think this is awesome. I am, I am really uh, excited and encouraged, uh, you know, because I always want to bring my creativity to my work mm-hmm. and, and I, and I love the idea that, um, you know, a lot of us are just afraid to take risks. We're afraid to put it out there. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I, like I said in the, in the questions, um, I'm challenged because I'm for, you know, further away from the mothership mm. and that might encourage me to take fewer risks because I, you know, I don't want to, um, uh, upset someone. In fact, in fact, the wall street journal article today was about, um, being funny at work. You can be funny, but you don't want to upset anybody. And so that's, that's my, um, you know, it's, it's one of these things where, you know, I'm, I'm isolated. I don't want to upset anybody. Then how can I move towards being more creative? Because as you said, Denise, that's my jam Mm -hmm. is to be much more creative. Mm -hmm. And that's in fact, how I contribute to the team in greater ways. So that's, that for me is really uh, from a team anywhere perspective. Mm -hmm. um, My greatest concern is how to make that happen, how to be in flow and how team leaders can encourage that 
when we're in this new paradigm of everyone being uh, dispersed and, and not having that personal interaction like we used to have. Well, and, you know, that one of the things that you said, I mean, that just as kind of a, a parting um, cons- idea is that when you contribute and you share your ideas, that means that people can benefit from it. If you hold on to your ideas and you're kind of miserly with them or you're too afraid to share them, then this potentially extraordinarily beneficial idea isn't actually going out and proliferating throughout your 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 network with it throughout your group. And so then people lose out on it. So that's the other thing I would think is, you know, do you want to risk withholding something that can be very valuable? Right? Um, you know, it's almost like it's almost like it's food. You know, people people need to eat and you've got something that's like, you know, tasty and nutritious. But you're afraid that, you know, like somebody doesn't like beets. I don't like beets personally, but beets are good for you. And some people love them. So bring your beets, serve them (laughs) along for the people who can, who people who like beets are going to be all over them. And for the people like me who are like hard pass, that's fine. (laughs) But, you know, so, so bring your, bring your knowledge, bring your tasty and nutritious and delicious knowledge. Great analogy. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. This has been fascinating. Of course, now I'm going to be thinking about creativity all afternoon. And beats. Uh, and beats, that is correct. And beats. Uh, yeah, I'm okay yeah, with you're that. Right, right. That's I'm a what lover, said. not a hater. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, looking forward to getting this out to everybody so that, just as you said, they can take advantage of hearing this and, and putting it and incorporating it into their lives. Wonderful. Thanks again. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Denise. And thank you to all our listeners. Uh, if you've enjoyed this episode of Team Anywhere, please share this episode with Denise Jacobs to all of your friends and colleagues. And, um, and for even those people who don't like beats. Um, but we'll see you next time, next week on another episode of Team Anywhere. Thank you so much.